morning. It's always a great privilege for me to be able to share here at the 6 p.m. service. And as you know, it's been a, a long time now that we have been journeying together through Matthew chapters 5 to 7, looking at a new way to live. And a message, as we've discovered along the way, that is not a message for just anyone, <clears throat> but it is a message for those who have chosen to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And in this incredible teaching, it's a teaching we've discovered that's full of power, it's full of insight into what this new way of life should look like for all of us who have chosen that path. And as many of you know, God's way of living contradicts quite significantly with the world's. And in today's passage, that, that new way of life that we call to live is definitely in stark contrast to our normal way of responding, particularly when it comes to this whole issue of worry. Coming off the back of Jesus' words on not storing up treasures on earth, but rather treasures in heaven, which is already a radically new way to live compared to most, Jesus goes on to say, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Do not worry. Now, all of us know what worry is. That feeling of just being like, you know, uneasy or, or just overly concerned over a situation or problem. And I'm sure there's, there's no one here who can say they've never at any point not worried about something. And when you read these verses, do not worry about your life. How many of you are tempted to actually stop right there and just say, Lord, really? Like, don't worry? Can we perhaps remind you what it's like to be us right now in the world and just how much we have to worry about? Many of you would like to remind him about the things you have to worry about when it comes to your schoolwork and exams coming up and the incredible expectations that you have from, from either parents or peers or even your teachers. Others would like to remind God how much they have to worry about when it comes to friendship and peer pressure and everything that comes with that. They want to share with God how much there is to worry about when it comes to actually finding a place to belong in this world. You want to remind them that there's lots to worry about when it comes to appearance and body image. And with our hectic worlds we have now over scheduling and in the future, where's your future going? What's going to happen in that future? Many of you would like to remind them often how much you have to worry about when it comes to love and just finding that right person along the way. What's that going to look like? There have been some interesting statistics that have been shared around what some of the major worries are of us as a nation. And I'm just going to share perhaps the top three um, because they're the ones that affect more than half of us. More than half of us worry about crime and violence. In fact, we're the nation that worries about that the most in the world. 52% of us worry about financial and political corruption. And more than half of us are majorly worried about unemployment. Interestingly enough, it seems the, the only thing that we're not really worried about as a nation is about terrorism, which is not what the rest of the world can say. But all of us can relate to this phenomenon of worry. And according to the Collins English Dictionary, they say worry is to keep thinking about a problem that you have or about unpleasant things that might happen. And I think that strikes a chord with a lot of us there too. Margaret McCordy of the University of Wisconsin did a study on worrying and came up to some very interesting conclusions. She found that 40% of our worries are over things that actually never happen. 
And 30% of our worries are over things that happened in the past that you cannot change. 12% of our worries are over imaginary health problems. And 10% of our worries are over petty, insignificant issues. So all in all, 92% of the things that we worry about are actually things that are outside of our control. Do you know that worry also has an incredible impact on each one of our lives too? And I wonder if you've ever given some thought just to the impact of worry on your life. We all know that the fast pace of our society now has increased most of our stress to our natural levels, far beyond what is needed for a normal fight or fight response. And science has proven that stress caused by worry is actually extremely unhelpful, extremely unhelpful for us. And as you can see on the screen, it's just some things that, that that science has shown us. Chronic worry can cause nervous tics, hair loss, premature heart disease, heart attacks, suppression of the immune system, mental illness, and a, a whole host of other detrimental effects on our bodies. It can affect our daily lives. So much so that it can interfere with your appetite, your lifestyle habits, your relationships, your sleep, and even your job performance. Because worry undermines productivity and concentration. And many people who worry excessively are so anxiety-ridden that they have to seek release and relief in harmful lifestyle habits such as cigarette smoking, overeating, or using alcohol and drugs just to calm the nerves a bit. Worry also pulls us in different directions. In fact, the Greek word translated as worry literally means to be drawn in different directions. We know that if we are distracted by worry, we do lose our focus and can in that space make some very poor decisions. Worry also undermines our emotional states and in that place really causes us to misplace our priorities. And then significantly, worry impacts us spiritually by encouraging fear rather than faith in God. Worry is a reality in our world. Jesus knew this, he understood this, but in the face of that reality, he calls us as his disciples, and that is you and me and everyone that has made the decision to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior to a new approach when it comes to responding to worry. And he says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
What is Jesus teaching us from this passage that can help us to let go of worry? Now, the theme of Jesus' teaching was the kingdom of God. He not only described for us the God of the kingdom, he taught us what that kingdom is like, the requirements for entering the kingdom, and he also outlines for us guidelines on how to live in that kingdom. And in response to the normal way that we want to respond to worry in the flesh, Jesus gives us another way to live that embraces kingdom principles. He's discipling us here on what a follower of Jesus looks like. And he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In the place of worry, Jesus teaches us that we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But what does that actually mean? To me, to seek the kingdom of God is to intentionally focus on and fully experience a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. To seek the kingdom of God is to seek the things of God as priority over things of this world. To seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it's not about outward acts of religiosity, but it's about embracing a whole new set of of values and beliefs and ambitions and responsibilities and priorities that are consistent with us being new creations in Christ. God's kingdom is the reign and rule of Christ in our lives. And we are to seek the reign and rule of Christ in our lives where he is in charge and not us. It's one of the first things, the first parts of the disciples' prayer that we are taught to pray. We are taught to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because when we're under his lordship and when he is in control of our lives, that is the kingdom of God. It is not rules and regulations, but as Romans 14 verse 17 says, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And tonight, I would just like to very briefly share with you just eight ways that I think we can seek first his kingdom in order to let go of worry. And the very first one, and very obvious one, is we need to get our priorities in order. Get our priorities in order. And I really just want to give you four questions to, to think about and to reflect on when you leave this space that I think will help you to, to focus in on, on this getting your priorities in order. And the first thing is, are you intentionally focused on a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Then are you fully experiencing this relationship empowered by the Holy Spirit? Does God come first in your life? And how is this reflected in how you spend your time, your energy, and your money? Because when our relationship with God is our first priority, then the decisions that we make, the order of our priorities, the, the value that we give to everything in our life will flow out of that relationship with God. Getting our priorities in order is a really big step to us letting go of worry. Secondly, seeking first his kingdom is about meditating on God's truth and the nature of God. Because one of the best ways that we can increase our faith and let go of worry is to meditate on scripture. 
And a very simple way to do this is actually to memorize the Word of God. And I would encourage you to begin by picking a passage that speaks to an issue with which you struggle. And I want to share with you one that is very meaningful to me, and it's from Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. And it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And when you meditate on that word, the amazing truths that come out of that is that we never have to worry about being forsaken by God. And applying this truth to circumstances that we encounter, particularly those that cause us to worry, can minister to our soul, giving us fresh perspective and releasing peace and releasing faith and releasing trust where you might have instinctively been tempted to worry. Meditating on God's truth and his character and his nature will build your faith. And you'll also be reinforcing, your, you'll be refocusing your mind on his truth rather than the worries that are surrounding you. And I'm not talking here just about reciting a Bible verse to distract your thoughts and to try to, to calm yourselves. It's so much deeper than that. It's truly choosing to, to chew on and meditate and allow that truth to take deep roots in your soul. But to do that, we need to take the time to really meditate on those truths. Thirdly, seeking first his kingdom is about learning to trust in the Father heart of God. Just like children rely and depend on their parents to meet their needs, God wants us to depend on his provision for our lives. And Jesus reminds us of God's provisions in nature, but he also specifically calls to mind, in those reminders, the Father heart of God. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father, that's how he chooses to describe God in that space, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? God has promised to provide for his own, supplying every need, and his heart for us is as a father to a child. But God's provisions do not guarantee a life without problems. And God's idea of what we need is often very different to ours. And as you walk through life, you will come to learn that God's timing only occasionally meets your expectations. For example, we might see our needs as riches, but perhaps God knows that what we truly need is a time of poverty or loss. There are many examples of scripture where great men and women of faith endured great trial and even deprivation. But in all of these instances, God allowed those seasons and he followed those seasons with restoration and with sustenance. But we are clearly told in this passage here not to worry about future problems before they occur because God knows about those too. And he's saying as our father, he can be trusted to deal with these problems when they occur. We need to learn to trust God to deal with what worries us. The father loves us deeply and we can find security and peace in his love for us. And then fourthly, we seek his kingdom by allowing God to transform our thinking. 
Seeking first his kingdom involves being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Romans 12 verse 2 says, don't conform anymore to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We're shaped by the thoughts that we choose to let into our minds and hearts. What we think is so crucial to who we are. And we all know that the mind is a really powerful tool. In fact, the more you try not to think about something that worries you, the more preoccupied your mind becomes with that thought, and which makes you think about it even more. So just suppressing your thoughts when it comes to worry isn't going to work. We need to bring those worries into the light so that God can bring change in those areas of our lives. And so under this allowing God to transform your thinking, there are two, I think, very important aspects to that. And first of all, I think we need to identify what triggers worry in our lives. And I really want to encourage you to give some thought to and to understand what triggers worry for you in your life. Because only then when you understand that can you begin to guard against worry in those situations. I encourage you to pray for the Holy Spirit to help you to evaluate even how you are thinking in this situation compares to biblical truth. Because when the Holy Spirit brings to mind or helps you to understand that a a particularly worrisome thought doesn't reflect what's true, then there's an opportunity in that enlightenment to align that bring into alignment that faulty thinking and to allow a new thought that's based on the reality of God's truth to come into play there. Some of our worries are deeply rooted in lies and in faulty belief systems. And when we struggle to trust God with something that's worrying us, that's a good indicator for us that we really need to ask God to reveal to us what unbelief or even unhealed wounds may be preventing us from trusting him completely in that space. So we really need to take some time out to identify those worry triggers in each of our lives. And then once we've done that, we need to bring this to the Lord. Bring this to God. And depending what the Holy Spirit unveils for you as the root of your worries and what your triggers are, that's going to determine what bringing it to God looks like. And it's going to look very different for different people. For some people where unbelief and faulty reasoning has been brought to light, that might look like a a space of um, this confession and repentance before God and receiving his forgiveness. For others, though, where there's deep wounds that need healing, that's going to need just a real ministry of God's grace and healing and forgiveness over your life in that space. I think what we need to acknowledge here is no matter how hard we try, we cannot stop bad things from happening because we live in a fallen world. But we do have the choice on how to respond to whatever happens. And we can choose to let worrisome thoughts run riot after they enter our minds, or we can choose to take every thought captive and invite God to come into the picture in that space. And then fifthly, we need to commit to prayer. Choose to pray instead of worrying. In fact, Paul addresses this in the book of Philippians chapter 4, where he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
that is an incredibly valuable truth right there for us. We don't let go of worry simply by telling ourselves not to worry, but we actively let go of worry when we choose to bring that which we are worrying about into the realm of prayer and under God's control. And I have found from experience that the more I pray about my worries, the less I do worry. And there is a release that happens in my spirit that does usher in the peace of God. And I, I want to say at this junction that I know there are people who struggle with worry to greater extents than others. And you might even have tried to, to let go of worry applying these steps above, and yet it is still a struggle for you, and you haven't yet found victory in this place. We believe in a powerful God who can bring transformation in our lives. He's also God that works with us each uniquely. And not seeing full release yet in this era, even after much prayer, doesn't mean that God won't in time come to fully release you from this. Nor does it mean that God is not fully present in your moments of worry. Your journey might just be longer than another for reasons known only to God. And I really want to encourage you, if that is your story, not to be discouraged hearing what I'm sharing now. I want to encourage you to stay in the game when it comes to prayer, to stay in the game when it comes to responding to the ministry of His Holy Spirit and being transformed in your thinking. Be encouraged and don't give up. And then sixthly, I think we seek first His kingdom and righteousness by cultivating contentment in our lives. And this might seem a strange one, but I'm sure many of you have advised others who are worrying about something or going through a difficult time to just take one day at a time. Yet how many of us actually follow this advice in our own lives? And Jesus tells us quite pointedly in tonight's passage, I tell you, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. We need to learn to live in the present, taking one day at a time. And we need to resolve to deal with what life brings us today and to leave tomorrow's worries in God's hands. And I think of part of learning to live in the now is this very point here, learning to cultivate contentment in our lives. Because if we're not content with the way our life is right now, we are going to be prone to worry. And we need to really ask God to teach us to be content with whatever circumstances we encounter. And we need to make a habit of noticing the many ways that God is blessing us every day and of eyes to see those many blessings that surround us in our lives. And we need to express our thanks to God, not just for our relationship with Him, but for those many blessings, both seen and unseen, that He is bestowing on us. And then, seventh, we need to invite the ministry and support of others in our lives. We all know that beautiful picture of the church being a body and each of us bringing something unique but different to the others to that body. And sometimes we need those in our family here to draw alongside of us and to, to bring us what they carry as a ministry to us. There are times when we cannot do this alone and we need others to supply what is lacking in ourselves. And I want to encourage you to welcome and invite the ministry and support of others 
as you seek to let go of worry and embrace trust and peace in this area of your lives. These seasons we need to let others help us to carry our burdens, cover us with their love and care, and bring refreshing to our spirit. And lastly, and it's the other side of that beautiful coin, we need to also give ministry and support to others as well. Because seeking the kingdom of God involves sharing the fruit of our relationship with God with others. And this doesn't just involve sharing our faith, but it also involves practical giving and expressing love to others through whatever means God has especially gifted you or has especially directed you. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. We cannot overemphasize the healing effect of knowing God's love in our lives. And I'm sure many of you can testify to the fact that many times that love has come through other people, drawing around you and alongside of you, and how his spirit has ministered to you through others' love and others' care, and that's how his presence has been most tangible to you. And that is my prayer in this point here, is that God's love flowing through us would provide much-needed ministry and refreshing and support to other people as well. I want to conclude by just reading a paraphrase from the message. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to ask the, the worship team just to, to quietly come on stage and join me here. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach. There is more to your outer appearance than the clothes that you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, and do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting, so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you, you know both God and how he works. So steep your life in God reality, God initiative and God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all of your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes.
we're going to go into a lovely worship space now. And what I want to invite you to do in that worship space is we've spoken tonight about